the, the Dog Zone 9000, the official zone of 1900hotdog.com, the final comedy website. We have an all-star cast of writers from all the previous dead and AI-corrupted comedy websites. We are supported by listeners like you, the final comedy business model. Go to patreon.com slash 1900hotdog to do it, or read uh, weirdly wrong lists of user reviews recited by a robot until the internet dies. Speaking of... I'm enduring world web delight, Sean Baby, and my partner is Junk Trunks two-time, Hunk of the Chunk, which is what they call November, the great Robert Brockway. <laughs> they call November the Chunk? Okay, all right. I'll, I'll roll with it. I'll take that one. Uh, here's a Brockway fact. I, much like the subject of today's podcast, have also marred my otherwise perfect record with one stupid Japanese thing. Uh, no follow-up questions. Uh, I definitely don't have any. Uh, returning as our guest is Philadelphia's leading Andrew McCarthy expert. His work can be seen on Defector, where he is a writer, editor, and co-founder, the illustrious Stan McQuaid. Hey. Welcome back. Yeah, very happy to, to be back to watch another very, very strange piece of media. I also like that we're continuing a theme of Jeff Altman. Oh yeah, this is, is the probably, third, this is the third yeah. item in our Jeff Altman trilogy i'd like to think that that you just kept pitching things and then to your to your own surprise you were like there's a lot of jeff altman in here so <laughs> i pitched the i pitched like why don't we do the the episode of thunder and paradise where they win the civil war for the right. South. fantastic and then when i was like let's do a baywatch episode i was like oh there's one there's a couple with jeff altman what's the weirdest one and Definitely then I thought the right we one. just had had to do Pink Lady because of how this is maybe stranger than than either of the previous two things I did. Yes, which is a high bar. Jeff Altman has been in some wild fucking shit. <laughs> has he? It seems like the biggest thing he's ever been in. I'm just saying, like every time, I would not have foreseen this, uh, knowing vaguely just vaguely from the 90s, from every 90s show that he guest starred on, who he was, uh, I would never have assumed that Jeff Altman is the wild card in the production, that, oh, Jeff Altman's on, this is going to be a crazy fucking episode, but sure <laughs> enough, he must bring some some weird energy to set. I feel like he does. Like uh, Today we are talking about uh, Pink Lady and Jeff, which was a, a 70s variety show, um, started with Jeff Altman as the lead, this has to be the only time he was ever like a lead, right? I mean, is Do he we know the lead? Th- I I kind of think Pink. Well, Lady's okay, the, the lead. Absolutely, but, Pink Lady's the lead and the the appeal. Yeah, but he's, but he's sort of the 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 co. I I I have read some stuff where they couldn't decide on the title whether it was going to just be called Pink Lady or yeah. Pink Lady and Jeff. I would say neither is a very good title. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, I like I, Pink I, Lady and Jeff because it brings to mind some sort of crime fighting odd couple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or perhaps yeah. radio morning DJs. Uh, Pink Ooh, Lady and the Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds filthy. If, if there's a morning radio show, uh, Pink Lady and the Jeff would be disgusting. <laughs> yeah, they're they 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 definitely have some scandals in their in their history. Yeah. They have some uh some not really apologies they have issued. I think I think Jeff Altman was was on paper when they pitched this to whoever the 
fuck approved this fucking wild concept. <laughs> I think they pitched it as like, okay, here's our host, Jeff Altman. And Jeff Altman then gave the lead to Pink Lady. Or perhaps they took it from him. But he definitely came in as like third fiddle in the show where he's the only one who fully speaks the language, which was incredible to see. Yeah, they clearly built it around Pink Lady. I, I feel like Jeff is just like, they needed a guy who speaks English, of course, but they also just kind of needed a guy who can do the hee-haw sketches. They're like, Jeff, uh, what impressions oh. can you do? And he's like, you know, oh. the same the same nice. seven rich little ones everyone can do. <laughs> None at all. Zero. But uh, yeah, I, zero. it won't stop me. Much like me, it won't stop him from trying. <laughs> so I, I, I guess I can like explain the... I don't know if I can explain the show, but I can explain the history of the show. Because... I did some research in old newspapers because that's the kind of stuff I like to do. Um, So, you know, variety shows were sort of on TV from the beginning of TV, but they were always sort of like separated, right? There would be a show where there were musical guests. There would be a show that was just talk talk shows. There would be a show that was like more just comedy. Um, But by the seventies, they sort of like started just combining them. Um, and so we got like Sonny and Cher had several variety shows. I believe they also each had their own, when they divorced, they each had their own separate solo variety shows. Uh, there was, there was Donnie and Marie. Um, Donnie and Marie, of there's course. Like, there's a somewhat famous, at least infamous Brady Bunch variety hour where Jan was recast. Uh, and there's one that was like, this group called the Hudson Brothers that everyone's forgotten had a show called the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show. Uh, it they sounds were, great. They were a musical group. It's the one of the Hudson Brothers is the father of Kate Hudson. That's the only notable thing I feel like. Fucking I nepotism, that. man. That yeah. Razzle Dazzle name. Yeah. Uh, so... This was so this premiered in like the spring of 1980 or maybe the winter of 1980. Like this was reality shows were already dying at this time. Um, Like I found a story from when the show launched. It was like a review uh, by Noel Holston in the Orlando Sentinel. And here is the first like sentence of the story. Or Ben Vereen, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Mac Davis, Cher, Mel Tillis, Dick Van Dyke, Dolly Parton. The list of popular American musical entertainers who've gone down in flames fronting comedy variety series in recent years <laughs> could go on Holy and on. Shit. So all of these people, most of whom I think I've heard of all of these people. So they're all like way more famous than Pink Lady or, or Jeff. And they had variety shows that failed so so the world had decided like we do not like this yeah like we are done with this type of television show yeah and so um nbc's fred silverman he was an executive there he he was the one who came up with the show and in 1979 uh he approached sid and marty croft that's who like made this show um the crofts did like puff and stuff Far Out, Space Nuts, like yep. a few other, you know, they did like... The Banana mostly, Splits. Yeah, they did like mostly kids things, but they also did sort of go back and forth between kids and adult entertainment. So Fred Silverman came to them and said, do you know who Pink Lady is? 
I'm going to try and negotiate a deal because I want to do a television show with them. (laughs) To which they said no, and I guess. That is how it started. Also, in this Associated Press interview, I said, this is a complete side note, but whatever. Uh, Sid Croft says says that he and Marty got big because at the World's Fair in Seattle in 1962, Billy Graham gave a big speech about how gross their puppet show was because the lady puppets didn't wear bras. Um, <laughs> the, the road to stardom begins there. Yeah. So the, with topless puppets. So that same AP story said that like Silverman was able to get this show greenlit because he had a lot of success in putting like pretty ladies on TV. Um, he was the one responsible sure. for Charlie's angels. He invented it. And he yeah. had like a lot of success with, uh, Susan Anton, Anton hosted like, variety specials um she was like a famous for being famous woman in the 70s she is of course a recurring she plays a recurring character on baywatch um because of of course she does uh the 20 minute test tape for the show costs three hundred fifty thousand dollars. um god that's like 50 billion dollars today yeah jeff jeff altman um was a magician and comedian he still is he i think he mainly does like magic for like corporate events and and stuff now um okay he studied behavioral sciences at johns hopkins and i found this esquire story from not that long ago that called him like the funniest stand-up you've never heard of and like that's definitely not true but don't just, did, I, I don't agree with that it did interview well one we've heard of him now uh but we he they interviewed david letterman and he was on letterman pretty regularly if you like search him on youtube most of the clips are like an old clip on him of him on letterman um he's got that big on letterman vibe there's like a certain vibe i associate with that yeah yeah so he said letterman said that like altman was the one who like showed him it's important to be like silly as a comedian which like oh i do think i can see letterman like being influenced by this like doofus. Um, <laughs> so, so the story is I taught David Letterman how to be silly. Like yeah. this p- man who's already working as a comedian had never considered incorporating silliness into his somehow, comedy. Somehow that is the story that David Letterman tells. Um, okay. Altman got okay. the job and this was in one of the stories because he wowed executives with his disco Dick Nixon character. Oh um, fuck! That's which the character, the which, yeah, which which we will we will uh, get we will get to that. Uh, yeah, and there's like so much we can talk about that that we'll we'll get to it. The only other notes I have about this show um, was a story from the United Press International Wire Service, uh, which still which still exists, but it's not as real as it used to be. Um, said that uh, Pink Lady were were homesick, but they did not act like stars. And here's a quote from the actual story. Me, me and Kai are thoroughly Japanese women and as such are still light years behind liberated Western women. <laughs> the I guess I, I know what that means. Yeah, yeah, I got that vibe from the show. The story also said they were too skinny for American clothes. Um, okay. Pink 
uh, Lady was planned a as burn. a limited series. I'm I'm not sure how many episodes actually aired. There are like six floating around online. Um, but NBC canceled it after a very brief time because its ratings were so bad. They thought that like canceling it would improve their overall ratings. And oh they, my God. they replaced what I think was going to be supposed to be the last episode shown. Um, they replaced it to show a pilot episode of a show called Alex and the Doberman Gang, which was about a detective named Alex who had, uh, this was a quote that I found from some NBC wiki, five smart Doberman pinchers that helped him solve crimes. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I got that from the title. Yeah, this, <laughs> this, this, that's I what I would call this show. <laughs> this show was not uh, picked up. There, there was only a pilot. It sounds uh, like a shallow concept. Like, I, I kind of like the idea of it as, like, a show you would see in another show. Like, if you're, like, walking through 30 Rock and, like, somebody was pitching that show. But I don't know. Like, the man. idea of, like, a fifth a fifth or sixth episode of that. And the, you got these Dobermans. If every single episode crimes. <laughs> ends with the man getting mauled by five Dobermans at the same right. time, I'm on board for at least a season. I want to I see agree. where that like, goes. For a while, that's great. It, like, it seems like it does not have legs, but it seems like it makes more sense than Pink Lady. I, I agree. <laughs> uh, Pink Lady is such a first draft of an idea. Like, they took P- Pink Lady, which is, they, they fill stadiums, these two disco ladies, just In doing Japan. cover songs, as far as I can not tell. Not here. In Japan. Right. Not here. So, a very, very important distinction. And they're like, let's bring them here. And like, what do we do? And like, some really out of touch executives like, how about a variety show? Like, like a 10 years out of date disco variety show. Uh, it just feels like no one in the room improved on that idea or said no to that idea. <laughs> At the it's turn of like, 1980, eh. let's do two things, disco and variety show. We're going to <laughs> <Right>. live forever. <laughs> Nobody can kill me. I have become immortal. <laughs> Yeah. shoot me watch what happens it's just I love it's it. so we it's gotta, just such hubris we need to attach a recognizable star does uh, it matter what in what country no wait <laughs> shit why did i say no it's too late to take that back uh i guess I, it, in the intro of this it has like like zany scenes and one of them is like jeff altman slapping one of the women in the head and then one of them is him ogling boobs, and that's it for Jeff Altman. That's that's how they introduce him to the audience. I mean, these are uh, scenes like, from the it. show, and to be yeah, fair, no, hundred percent correct. Yeah, like it's it's very representative. But um, I think what's fascinating to me is all of it feels like half of an idea. Like the idea of of a guy seeing boobs and going like "kaboing boobs." That's the start of something, right? Like that's a genre of comedy. But I don't I don't think you're done writing that scene, and. Uh, just like how I just don't think you're done writing it when your idea is like, let's put the ladies on stage and sing three songs and then cut to a, a sketch of a guy looking at boobs and then back to the songs. Like, no, like that needs some fleshing out all of this. I think that's I the know. tagline the- for the show. I don't think you're done writing it. I think, <laughs> I think <laughs> right. that's the, th- the thesis that runs throughout the show. That was what I had too. was like, wait, wait, hold on. Where are they going? Wait, come back. You know, this isn't the end of the sketch. Yeah. Wait. You just you just got here. <laughs> yes. I reacted every... Sometimes they, they'd they end after like five seconds. You're like, whoa, whoa, you didn't even establish the fucking premise. What is going on? <laughs> they like... They have like basically two bits in this show. Pink Lady is 
Japanese, and no right. one knows who Jeff Altman is. Those right. are those are the recurring the bits. Two bits that they keep coming back to. Mm-hmm. And like, I do buy them. It's just an unfinished like sketch pitch. I do have a clip from the. Yeah, I buy them too. Uh, I have a clip from the monologue here. I'd love to play. I was doing small clubs and maybe occasionally a talk show or something. And I guess the thing I regret is that I just wish my mom and dad could have been here tonight to share this moment with me. But they're next door in the Studio B watching Merv Griffin interview his suit. See, Rodney Danger could have saved that with some mugging. Yeah, weird I think face. he could have made that. Yeah, like, that's not an, an awful joke. It's just, like, really overwritten. It, it is, though, really. Let, me, let sure. me tell you, it is frightening coming out and hosting a new show. You know, you've got producers, directors, cameramen, crew coming up to you all day long, and they all ask the Listen same question. <laughs> Pardon me, son, but who the hell are you? <laughs> that's just the first of the who the fuck is Jeff Altman jokes. Well, That famous movie executive lady. cowboy. I'm Jeff Altman. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, here I am in Hollywood. <laughs> I can do uh, that voice, so I'm going to bring that one out. Also, while telling these jokes, he's wearing a bow tie the size of a Buick. Like he's it in a really so weird huge. tux. That's yeah. Like he's wearing like clown clothes, but it's just black yeah. and white, so it's like a tux. Yeah. Yeah, he's it's just uh, like maybe he didn't know how to tie it. Yeah. Did he say Merv Griffin is interviewing his soup or a suit? I, a I, suit, I'm not I sure. I couldn't. I couldn't tell. I was thinking the same thing. Neither it one. It honestly like, doesn't really matter. Though. Works. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. change the joke yeah, at all. Like no. <laughs> that's not I, a good I, sign. I mean, I, like neither of them are very like make much sense. I feel like there was a better bit they could have. They could have like it needed to be something silly or punchy. Like it could have been uh, Nipsey Russell is a funny name. Shamu is a funny concept. <laughs> Like anything right with joke, multiple K's in it? Just like the bar anything. was real low back then. You could yeah. just say <laughs> You could say Kookamonga and get a laugh. Yeah. Oingo boingo, babe. That's, that's what you're facing. Oingo boingo. That's what you're just struggling so hard, like watching him just watching a man die in a riptide who's <laughs> watching Jeff try to find these jokes. Like Oh god. We should spend some time later thinking about like like what if it were Pink Lady and Dennis Miller? Uh, what if it were paint? Like who, oh who my would God. make? God, that's the dream. Who would make a like better or worse host for almost for anybody? Oh no, Brockway's right. Better. It's it's Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. like he he does that vaudevillian like variety show type of act, but has that contempt for it that makes it like funny to modern people. Plus, even if I like the jokes like. don't land, which they won't with this writing because right. they don't fully exist because they're like they they're transparent. <laughs> uh, Rodney Dangerfield can like give you a look that's like I don't know what the fuck that was either, and everybody yeah, will laugh exactly. with him because he's weird exactly. looking, and he at least has that. Jeff Altman looks like an accountant, and so when a joke fails and he looks at you, he's like, "I'm being audited, aren't I?" Is the is the vibe you get? It's just not fun. I love that yeah, they start yeah. this show off. Here's here's a hundred percent of my of my 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 problem with the premise is that right after this, he turns and he says. Now, I'm here with Japan's biggest recording stars, Pink Lady, and then he has to show the audience a clip of how famous they are in Japan. Like, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, right. yeah. Like, okay, so do they do it's that a here? Weird no. Clip. 
No. Yeah. So they're not, you're having to tell people that they're famous and it's a big deal that we got them. But everybody in the audience is like, uh-huh. Right. And, and what's next? They're not singing or anything. They're like in a car being paraded in front of a like a baseball stadium. Yeah. Like I, I, I have in my notes, like, is this supposed to make me want to watch the show? Right. Like, okay, so they're popular there. Like, that's maybe interesting. Tell me why they're popular. Like, they don't even say that yet. It's just like, right. yep. These people are popular. Did, Maybe did they win a contest? Are they dying? Are they are they dying? <laughs> uh, <laughs> is this a dual Japanese Make a Wish scenario? Now, I I want to be clear that uh, Jeff Altman doesn't just have bad timing and bad jokes. He's also uh, both a prop comic and way too physical. So he says, uh, "There's a I think there's a little comedian in all of us." And I swear to God, he pulls out like a Ken doll, not even like quite dressed the same as him. And he's no, like, here's mine. Yeah. And, and it's it's just like, are you doing a fucking birthday party? You fucking asshole. <laughs> and then he's like, you ever try this one? You go to a restaurant? And then he like throws his face into a stool, misses it by like four feet. Like it's not a, even a good Joe Rogan bit, but he just like slams himself into his own stool. I'm just saying top notch That was comedy. the setup he came up with. That is his like standard shtick is like pretending to sure. hit his head on a stool. That like from what I've read that that was his like big joke that that people seem to love. So it, <laughs> somewhere it numbers are David floating Letterman over David Letterman's head. To like head. throw watermelons <laughs> off the roof. So I mean Right. right. David Letterman okay. is just like frantically writing all of this down in a darkened room somewhere. <laughs> My god. I don't know. I I don't hate it. I just I don't think he did a very good job. I guess it's my criticism for this dual face smashing. It's just like the first joke about his parents being next door. It's like, oh, this is like a good second draft. You you need to do like a third. Sure. Like, yeah. And I like that there was a turn. Like, oh, his parents are dead. No, they're not. They just don't love him. And you're like, oh, that's, that's a fun twist. Yeah. When Pink Lady came out and they came out in like Japanese style dress. I don't know if it was kimonos or, or something similar i was like i was like oh no. i was like they are absolutely going to take these off and be wearing like yeah, sexy western no style dresses because like i could see that happening now and certainly in 1980 uh well he that, set it up by going here to sing a traditional japanese number and you know a hundred percent of what's going to happen next from that sentence you're like it, okay i get it do we have to go through with yeah. it can we just pretend yeah, can we skip it? Yeah, it was it was <laughs> Boogie Wonderland, like Boogie Earth, Wonderland, Wind and Fire. Yeah, Earth, yeah, classic. Uh, like when they started singing, I kind of got it. Like I'm like, these ladies are like, they're just hot as fuck, and and not just because they're like beautiful women, but they're doing that like sexy baby oh. act where it kind of seems like they might die at the airport if you don't help them with their luggage. Do you know what I mean? Where like. Like, like your guy instincts kick in. You're like, oh, I got to protect this tiny, sexy lady. They're like, they are. It's so thick with that. Like, uh, like they just need you. They can't. They have this like, oh, oh, big, strong man. Please help me. I'll, I'll die without you. Anyway, I, that's I'm saying that works on me. And, like and how, they have the hell out of that. Like how seals evolve. Seal pups evolve big eyes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Cuter. It's just evolution trying to protect them from predators. Yeah, they got that. They got that. I want to save them from a bear. I want to be clear. That's that's their main appeal. They are not talented singers. Uh, <laughs> They're better singers than Jeff Altman is a comedian. I'll at least say that. 100%. Yes. 
Uh, and then in the in the intro, they like turn the can't speak English joke around on Jeff Altman, and yeah. I thought that was okay. And then he says something like, "You just love my sexy round eyes," and I was like, "Oh, oh I have the fuck was I have that? clips of that. I do. I want to before I play that clip though. I I, I just want to talk about the showmanship. I really love like all these Vegas showgirls coming out. And again, it, it feels that it feels like you're having like a three dollar prime rib at Circus Circus. Like it's just like what. This is so sleazy and stupid, but like everybody's really trying. Like it's clear all these people have like, like spent a life developing the skills on display here. Uh, it's just the world decided it didn't want them a decade ago. Uh, anyway, and then Jeff gives a very deliberate bow to them as if to say, like, I looked up on, on the encyclopedia <laughs> how to greet your people. Uh, so I have the clip when they come out of Boogie Wonderland. Oh, okay. That was a traditional Japanese number. Zoinks? You didn't like our song, Jeff? Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I love the song. It's just that I didn't realize your honorable ancestors had Oof. boogie fever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I should tell you at this point that this is me and this is Kay. Right. Now, you girls do speak English. Oh, yes. We spent many, many hours in Japan learning. We wanted to speak perfect English when we got here. Oh, and you speak English too? Yes. Do you? Boom. <laughs> yes, I thought and so. And then that anyway. should have ended, you know but I mean then they keep going. It's very difficult to learn to speak English properly. Keep trying. You'll get better. You got to do the bit twice. Yeah. Nailed like, it. why did they do the same joke twice? Like, it, uh. Yeah. Uh, but then I also... I did clip the, uh, I guess you'd call it reverse racist, uh, round eyes joke. <laughs> Don't mind her. It takes gay a while to get used to foreigners. But I, I like you already, Jeff. You were so, so handsome. Oh, you just get turned on by my sexy round eyes. What the fuck? Oh, brother. Oh, brother. Okay. I want to I say something. That might it might put me out there. And this is I'm exposing my belly right now. All right. I think uh, K's they keep giving K the punchline, and I think it's not a great punchline, but she's landing it. She's got oh, yeah. when when she commits to oh brother later she says like wonderful. Maybe it's because of the accent, but she's just she's stealing it from Jeff Altman. Like she's got better comedic timing and delivery. Than Jeff I, Altman. And neither of them have a good script, but she's she lands it every time. I subjected my my wife, my pregnant wife, to some of this as I was watching it in preparation. And <laughs> she at one point she just looks up and she's like, you know, they're holding their own despite like not yeah. speaking English. Like they have pretty good comedic sure. timing despite speaking their lines like phonetically or via they, meter. Yes, or they've learned. Somehow. They've clearly learned some of their more complicated lines phonetically. And I'm just, it's, it's so important to note that because I'm watching Jeff Altman on stage get upstaged by somebody that is just speaking syllables to which they have no context for their meaning. <laughs> and they're fucking, yep. they're stealing it from him with just, I make the sounds like this. It's easy. I don't even know what those sounds are. Jeff's like, fuck, I'm dying on a riptide here. What do I do? <laughs> and what's the most, to me, the most bonkers thing about the show is that. Pink Lady is, are the people who, like, introduce the guests. Like, why isn't the guy who actually speaks English running down who the guests are? 
Like, right. How, how did they make that decision? And Sh- Sherman Helmsley is like an eight out of 10 difficulty for a Japanese speaker. That's a, t- <laughs> that's a tough name. Uh, I, I think uh, it's what we were talking about earlier about like, we all grew up with alt comedy and we need more like layers to the jokes. And I feel like that's what the broken English brings to it when she's, when it's clear, like she doesn't speak the language and she's trying to land this joke and it kind of lands right. But when it's wrong, it's wrong because of this second thing. I feel like it just adds the depth to the comedy that it needed. Like know how like, you know, children's movies, you know, have like jokes for the adults too. Right. And you know, some people think like, Oh, some of the old Disney movies don't. We, we watched, uh, we watched, Aristocats, uh, that's from 1970, Mm -hmm. like not, it was a, it was a while ago now because we had gone to the woods to do shrooms. And then when we were done, we came back and somehow I put on Aristocats and it was perfectly good. And it wasn't like offensive or anything at all, despite being a Disney cartoon from like the late sixties, except in the, like, everybody wants to be a cat song at the end. Like suddenly there's like a Chinese cat character, like, you know, like speaking in broken English and, and fake like Chinese. And like, I realized Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, like the cute cats and the songs are for the kids. And then like the adult thing back then was like, oh, we'll throw in some racism for the adults. And I think that's (laughs) what this is too. It's like, oh, we, we got to put in, put in some racism for, for like the people watching this because some of them will want that. Yeah, I, I feel like it's kind it, it's kind hearted racism. Like it's like look at how zany a different place is. I know Walter Cronkite. You know the guy that does the, the new well, Walter Cronkite. Good evening. This is Walter Cronkite. Well, in our top story tonight, after twenty seconds of grueling deliberation and an offer of over eighty six dollars, semi obscure comedian Jeff Altman today told NBC he'd do any show they wanted. That's the way it is. Walter Cronkite. Walter Cronkite. It sounds exactly like me, but a little bit louder. Never heard of him. Again, Kay's timing is really good. Again. Adding that pause. <laughs> Never heard. Let it. Let the beat hit. Of him. <laughs> it's, it's funnier. It's funnier that way. It's like that. That impression comes out of nowhere, and like, I guess I've probably heard more Walter Cronkite. Cronkite impressions than I have of actual Walter Cronkite. Yeah, that's probably safe. And it's like, is it like, is it good? I don't know. I feel like it doesn't sound like other Walter Cronkite impressions. So no, it sounds exactly like Jeff Altman is what it sounds like. It sounds like Jeff Altman being about 14% louder and a little bit faster, which is, (laughs) I I I, I guess, spoilers for the episode, almost every impression. He has one that's not that and it's not good, but it's very different. Yeah. I, I want to say he's not a talented impersonator, but um, I think he's better than some like where most pe- times you see people who don't specialize in impressions. So they basically do Rich Little and Dana Carvey impressions of the impressions. And I don't think he's doing that. I feel like he's kind of drawing on his own observations, which is, uh, you know, a nice thing I want to say about Jeff Altman. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, he has one impression uh, when we get to it. I'll, there was something about it I liked. But we'll have to get to it because I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I feel I, my notes say I feel like I'm learning employee safety in a Japanese car factory because like th- there's these long bits of dialogue where they're just like just going through the mechanics of a show like coming up tonight. We have Sherman Helmsley and like 
they're really struggling with the script. So it, it just, it has that like employee safety vibe. Um, I didn't like when he started like flirting with them. Like he got a little handsy and, uh, and they kind of have like, they tried to do the playful sexual vibe and it like was really misfiring. I took a clip. There's no point in getting an argument here, and, <laughs> especially when I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> now you Nailed feel it. you're in a strange country here and there's a lot of strange men around. And so from now on, it's just going to be the three of us. No, four. Four? We have with us a uh, Japanese, we say, bodyguardo. What? Bodyguardo? Mm -hmm. Bodyguardo. Bodyguardo. Bodyguard. Bodyguard? Okay, and then a, you already know this, listening. It's a full sumo guy. <laughs> like. Folks, this show could be tough. Get that gong. We have our very special guest, Mr. Sherman Hamsley. Got it. I just, I just wanted like, to give the audience. She got it. Uh, <laughs> introducing in this type of sketch when it like goes this badly even if you don't have him if you end the sketch with ladies and gentlemen mr yes. sherman helmsley yeah it's the best She's still it's the best the punch perfect punchline punch <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he comes it. out dancing comes out. like i fucking knew it it's this again i gotta save the show again <laughs> yep uh, full sumo guy. I guess you kind of knew it was going to happen as soon as you knew the show was invented. But like, he doesn't say anything. They hit a gong. I just uh, love it. It's 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 like um, they refer to him as body, body Gatto from now yeah. on, as though that's his name. Which uh, I guess I guess you uh, that, sure. that's that lighthearted racism. Yeah, that, that kind that kind racism. I guess you were talking about. <laughs> It's how you'd phonetically read it. I get. I, I speak Japanese like that when I'm like reading the packaging on candy. Bodyguard. I think this one's a bodyguard, everybody. Uh, so, uh, God, the opening bit is a fucking Southern evangelical preacher, which is just. I feel like. Well, there's a thing they do before that. the The girls do. Uh, they're here to do musical transitions. Oh yeah. 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 And so they are dancing in front of a giant boombox, which I imagine is where 300000 of that $350,000 went is building this giant boombox. Yeah, uh, it's and then impressive. One speaker opens and we zoom through the speaker to this other world where the sketch is happening. And I just want to establish that framework now before we get into yeah, the I, faith healer bit. It's worth bringing up because it's very cool. And I feel like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I like, mean, it gives the show that nice like '70s variety show vibe that they're yeah, clearly like going it for. feels like a ripoff of uh, Laughing, which Laughin', I don't really yeah. think I've even ever seen, but I've experienced through like boomer nostalgia. Sure, yeah, like on Laughing, they would just kind of cut to a lady in body paint, just kind of dancing, and then you know, yeah, use these wacky transitions. I, and, I mean, yeah. and I do kind of like the, the intro song, like the turn on the radio. Da, 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 yeah. da. Like I, I was like, Oh, all right. And then they went yep. to some bits and they were not as good. Yeah. The, the preacher bit, I feel like that's how you spot the hack is when someone's like oh. throwing out sketch pitches and someone's like, Oh, what about a preacher? You're like, okay, you're fucking fired. 
We got to get one of those bit. out of the way. The very first, first bit. Uh, here's what here's what we're all about, is, folks. Yeah, uh, it's not just that it's it's a preacher curing disco demons. So he like slaps this lady on the on the hairspray, and and she screams "baby" whenever he hits her in the head. I'm not leaving anything out. That's the whole fucking sketch. Um, Let me. Can so I read then, you my notes on oh, what's please. happening? Uh, May is possessed. May is possessed by a disco demon, uh, and she can't hear uh-huh. words because uh, she's dancing too loudly. And then he right. taps her head, and it makes her say "baby." So he starts beatboxing her by tapping her head to the beat of "Yes, sir, that's my baby." No, that, sir, that's don't be baby. Almost, almost exactly what word for word what you said. <laughs> this is one hundred percent of the sketch. <laughs> that's it. That's the whole thing. And then we cut back to the ladies. And then they sing us into Jeff Altman's boxing character. Now, I think oh. he's trying to do Rocky, but what he's really doing is uh, Jimmy Kimmel's Carl Malone character. Or he's doing uh, he's doing Sean uh, Sean's Shaq impression. He's doing my Shaq. That's what, yeah. Uh, I will <laughs> fucking the reason I don't him. allow it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I do not black code my Shaq impression. I dumb code it. I'm an idiot, not a racist. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, okay, okay. This is, I think, my favorite sketch. We we mentioned it's in the intro. He he starts flirting with the reporter who's interviewing him, and she it's going well. So she takes off her overcoat and she has boobs. Here's the thing about the boobs is they're near him, and so he sees them. And then uh, this this happens. Whoa! 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 No, I can't. I have promised Roy here I would take him to a salad bar. Don't you hit me now. I just let everything play at least. We zoom out of the boombox dimension. (laughs) And then are carefully escorted back into the boombox dimension. Yeah, it's just want to leave that in to, to give the idea of like the show and how it's just five seconds of this, five Real seconds quick. of that. None of it's great. Uh, the f- there's the so framework lovable, here. The framework here is that so far they they sing their little song and then they they escort us through the speaker into the boombox dimension where all the skits happen. They've, they've done, done that successfully a few times and then here they start fucking it up. They've they now. Escort us through the boombox to themselves inside the boombox, also singing. Yes. And what that does is just transition us to another sketch. It, we're double, we're too deep in the boombox dimension. We're now inceptioning. Yeah, they are uroborosing <laughs> themselves. Their heads are going up their own asses to create some sort of a black hole. Um, they call it a bodigado in Japanese. Uh, so they they sing Stop in the Name of Love. And then they do that fucking disco Dick Nixon. And the Richard Nixon Soul Review. Uh, uh, like, again, <sighs> laughing, but also, like, Stop in the Name of Love is not a disco song. So why is this the no. song that Disco Dick Nixon is in? I mean, and this is also six years after he left office. He does say, everything right. I do is on tape, which, again, would have been a funny, a sort of happy, yeah, funny super joke current. seven years earlier. Yeah, I guess this is more of a Motown song than a disco song. Uh, I think 
this might be a racial joke because he says like I I think one of these guys he's like Motown dancers behind him he says I think one of these guys and I didn't recognize the name but I'm like I think I think this is an edgy racist joke. Oh for yeah, he says like it, one of these guys is and it's some it's like the mayor it's like a guy who later became mayor of some city yeah I I I right. looked this up and then immediately forgot about it because I was like, you know what? I've already done way too much work for this. I, I need to stop. This is the first right. framework I recognized as like a skit. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. I'm on familiar ground now. Like I've been standing on quicksand all this time. Now right. I feel at least solid. Here's Richard Nixon hosting a disco review. I get I get the like dichotomy of how we're going yeah. to get comedy out of this. And then he dances off screen. And I was like, what the fuck was that? You did. You just said Dick Nixon in a disco yeah. review, 15 seconds, and then you're out. I'm like, what? Yeah, that's a heavy premise. And then once it's established, there's no joke. But like, he literally just dances this. Like, away. This yeah, is what got the show sold. I do want you to try to picture this. Like you're in a writer's room and someone pitches disco Dick Nixon. You're like, okay, that's not the worst idea. It's pretty bad. But and then they look at you and they say, okay, you write it up. Like, that's the fucking worst news you could ever get, right? Like, like it's kind of okay in a concept, but then, like, the, the mechanics of making a Disco Dick Nixon, like, sketch work, it's just, it, it pisses me off so bad, the idea of, like, sitting down to do that. Well, then, in this show, in in this fake writer's room where he pitches Disco Dick Nixon and the and the, the head writer says, okay, write it up, the, the guy who pitched it turns to him and says, no, I'm done. And then they respect uh, uh, yeah. that move yeah. so much they exactly. just run it. That's what that happens. made it into the show. Exactly. <laughs> They're like, okay, no sketch, just premise. And then they'll end it. So now they have like a big discussion about uh, they need a big star. They're like, God, we need somebody because we all we have is Jeff Altman. They do that bit again. And they're like, they've got it. Sherman Helmsley. And, <laughs> and oh, never, Sherman Helmsley's great. He comes out uh, and he the first thing he says is, who the fuck are you, Jeff Altman? <laughs> they like <laughs> I mean at least they were committed to this bit I don't think it's yeah. a good one but they did throw uh, themselves into it so yeah they're leaning on it heavy uh, then okay they start to uh, he asks the ladies if they have any questions about America and the first question they have is is the US going to draft women like into the military which is so heavy in and 1980 out of in nowhere. 1980 yeah yeah, this They're is what, five years, five, six years after the draft ended? Uh, and Jeff like looks to camera, he's like, there are two I can think of. So he's already annoyed with his co-host to the point where he's like, ship these fucking skanks to Vietnam. Die in a war! This is not playful ribbing. <laughs> Send them to war is not like, ha ha, you. Uh, okay, so I, I thought that's real fucked up. And then they do a sketch about... Um, if there was a lady draft, what the army would look like if it was all ladies and there was a USO event, oh. uh, they call it and the again, Uniform Sister Organization. And now we have uh, the, we have the recognizable setup. It's a bad one to just just do what yes. even in 1980, just gender swap a thing was like played out. But there's yes. at least the groundwork of a sketch. And you're like, this begs the question, OK, where are we going to go with this? And the answer in this show is always... What do you mean? I'm done. Yeah. We're done. That's it. We fl- we what if that happened? Here it is happening. See you yeah. later. 
It's a whole variety show based around like bad sketch pitches. The punchline to every uh, to every skit is goodbye. <laughs> <It's>, yep. <laughs> that's what we're doing. The skit makes no sense. Like it opens with them bringing out Jeff Altman, who's like a like a macho man, and the the yeah, he's the, like a Miss America. Yeah, the the woman uh, Bobby Hope. Uh, sure. Is like, take a look at that. No one knows what that's reference to. Talent. And then look at Jeff over here. And, and so, like, I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. Like, <laughs> like he's actually like not attractive. But then all the women are like super horny for him, and he's basically like attacked yep. by them, and has yep. his, has like right. his clothes ripped off. And, and then it gets weirder it's, because Sherman Hems, Hemsley comes in, and he has like dancers, and they do boogie yeah. woogie bugle, babe of yeah. Company B. And that's they, that's they the punchline. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the punchline of the skit. It's Sherman Helmsley comes on and dances. I feel like this was supposed to be horny too. I feel like this was because they're all dressed like little boys. I feel like that was like schoolgirl pervert stuff, gender swapped. And oh, maybe uh, I don't know. <laughs> Getting deep in the assumptions here. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I guess I'm just grasping for anything because again, it's just they set up the premise and leave. I have a clip from this because we forgot to mention there's. There's another premise here, which is that the stars of the show are Japanese, so. Well, that's better. You know, the army isn't too bad, except the food is rotten. That's S-O-S. Yes. Sushi on the shingo. Amazing. Uh, if listeners don't know, there's uh, chipped beef uh, on crackers. It's, it's usually called shit on a shingle. Uh, and then that got... Shortened to SOS. I feel like food has gotten better since 1980, but this was a common joke about military rations. They'd call it, they'd call it shit on a shingle. So this is like kind of a esoteric reference. And then you just add like just this clumsy hammer of Japanese concept onto it. And you're just like, what, what the fuck are we doing here? Uh, I thought that was a very, uh, importantly bad joke. I really wanted to share with everybody. Uh, have you guys heard of Burt Parks before this? So no. I had not, but yeah, then I when I looked him up, I was like, oh, that's where the bit comes from. Like the he was the guy who sang like there she is, Miss America okay. after hosting the show. And it <laughs> okay. felt like this was in the news at the time because they're talking about how he just got fired from the Miss America pageant. Okay, so he was the host of Miss America from 1955 to 1979. Um he found out he had been fired when the Associated Press called him and told him that he had been fired. Uh, and like, I would say at least a dozen newspapers had full page letters pages about him getting fired and how this was bad or maybe good. He was 65 when when he was fired and the maybe the, these laws didn't quite exist back then or maybe it's different for show business, but like the... The like executive of Miss America like told the the AP like yep we fired him for being too old like <laughs> <laughs> okay it could have been worse yeah <laughs> it went, like our modern sensibility like I think I heard Brockway think this too loud where you're like oh this guy got fired from the Miss America pageant you're like okay yeah like he <laughs> yeah immediately strangled the lady yeah was- his, he put his thumb in somebody's butt. It was like how many it wasn't that he strangled the lady. It was like how many had to go missing over the years before they put right. their foot down. 
In my notes, uh, I have Art Nouveau's Culture City, which is Jeff Altman doing the blue collar guy. I do art, but I'm like a delivery truck driver or whatever. Look at my fucking art. Uh, God, I feel like that's really well, Once again, Jeff they do something that is really good. That was really spot on to this impression. So it's Art Nouveau <laughs> selling culture, which is like, again, okay. This isn't. Yeah. This is a. This is an SNL skit. Like after after the band plays for the second time, uh-huh. when you're allowed to get loose. But wait, no, it's the it's, mar- uh, it is it's the marble columns sketch. Uh, it is. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They do that. <laughs> but what I found <laughs> most notable about this is that he pauses in the middle of the sketch to be like, "And wouldn't it be funny if I was selling a wildlife documentary?" And so we zoom into a TV yeah. where yes. Yeah, he's doing a wildlife documentarian just to do like one liner, and then we pull back at. We're like, instead of punchlines to these jokes, what we're doing is transitioning into other sketches and then back. So instead of like, here's the button where I do something funny, we're saying, here's a different sketch. Like, oh wait, I guess it's just to keep you reeling so much that you realize that you're not, you you don't realize you're not hearing jokes. (laughs) But let's go over what they've done so far. They got. Uh, Preacher, but disco. Uh, Richard Nixon, but disco. Gender swap army. And culture, but not. So I I feel like uh, this is sort of like background lore in a video game set in a 70s TV studio. Like if you were a level designer, this is what you would put on a whiteboard to say, eh, yada yada, some idiot hacks wrote jokes in this room. Like I just don't feel like this is uh, a fully fleshed out concept. It It feels like... I don't know, like a blurry impersonation of a of a TV show. No, because they it was literally not fleshed out. They, did, they didn't write all right. Of it. They wrote sixty percent of everything. That <laughs> mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom thing he throws to has yeah, a joke dude. about John Belushi's lack of a career. Yes, uh, which because he made that bad movie, nineteen forty one. Yeah, yeah, or unsuccessful movie. I don't think I've ever seen it. Which I was like, I mean, like maybe, but like. Are you allowed to do that on Pink Lady and Jeff? Like, uh, yeah. Are you allowed to do that, Jeff Altman? Yeah. <laughs> and did we have to go through? Did we have to transition through a boombox through through two singers into Art Nouveau's culture through a TV to a wildlife documentary for you to say John Belushi doesn't have a career? And then that's the kick we pull back out of every layer. Was that was that worth it? Uh. God damn it. Also, one thing we didn't say is that when Burr Parks comes on stage, they have like a stunt double who does oh, cartwheels. Right. Oh, yeah. Pretend, like, <laughs> it's sure, how why spry not? he is. Yeah, I guess the bit is that he's too old to host Miss America, yeah, which again, yeah, yeah. was not explained to us as viewers. This is something that, that Dan had to look up uh, in old newspapers. Uh, but so I guess the bit was that he's still so healthy he can do flips and shit. I know. Great. So you shouldn't fire um, him. It's sad that you, they can just fire a guy for being old, but uh, especially if it, his job is standing there and holding a microphone and like not molesting women for decades, which I feel like is a huge accomplishment in Hollywood. Great job, Burt Parks. Um, I don't know. If you told me Sid and Marty Croft were producing a comedy variety show, all of these sketches would be like my mean-spirited guesses for what they would do. I'd be like, I'd be like, oh, do they got the disco Richard Nixon in there? But fucking southern preacher so uh <laughs> yeah the mutual Omaha like really broke me i'm just like fuck i can't believe how fucking stupid this all is 
Uh, but now Blondie comes out, and that's pretty good. Uh, it's they play a pre-cut music video of Blondie performing Shayla, uh, and it's great, but like weirdly overproduced because they're maybe they recorded it in the studio, but they, I don't think it's in front of the live audience. I feel like they did this on a different day. But it really made me realize, uh, oh yeah, the audience here is about forty people. Like the crowd shots are very thin; they don't show them very often. But uh, when you see it, you're like, oh, this is a really small studio. And uh, it would explain why the audience pops like crazy whenever Jeff flubs a line. Because these aren't great punchlines. And the fucking uproarious applause every time. I'm like, oh, of course, this is all this is all piped in. This is all fake. Uh, don't think I even like considered that until I saw the Blondie act. And then I was like, the mechanics of the show started to make sense. Um, God, what do we got next? Pink Falcon? Do you guys remember this one? Yeah, Uh my only note is some of the best jokes on this show are just one of the pink lady people threatening to punch Jeff Altman. And like, yeah, the pink I like Falcon that. has like two of those. So, <laughs> yeah, it's Kay so again here, who threatens to punch him. And she's just yeah. got killer delivery, even though she's yeah. learning a lot of these lines phonetically. And it's just stealing, stealing comedy that Jeff Altman has worked on for decades. <laughs> natural joke genius uh jeff is doing a humphrey bogart impersonation he's like a two-bit gumshoe um god I, this one was this one pissed me off because uh I, it kind of it does this thing that drives me crazy where like the, they break the rules of the universe so their idea to steal a safe is to come in through the window and tie a rope around it and then they have someone down on the street who's gonna just pull the safe out the window onto their own head and so then Jeff Altman is Humphrey Bogart's like, hey, I see what you're going to do out here. You're going to signal your friend down. He's going to pull on the rope here. And then they pull on the rope and he like doesn't let go of it. And so he goes out the window. And I'm like, but yet we had to take some two huge suspension of disbeliefs to get here. And I, I don't know. A comedy kind of relies on truth. And this is yeah, fucking stupid it needed, and wrong. It needed a, a, a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth edit. To, for it to like yeah. If this was right. laughing, they would at least have the decency for somebody to pop up that window and go, they can't all be winners, and then they'd cut away. Like, yep, yep. You would at least have a button a, there of somebody. A hee-haw being, guy yeah, in a cornfield. But it's yeah. fast. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so now they come back to Jeff as Johnny Carson. Uh, again, I don't think this is terrible. Like, I knew it was Johnny Carson. It's not good. But it's also not, it's not Rich Little's Johnny Carson. And I want to say congratulations to uh, uh, I, Jeff Hartman I for thought that. actually that he, like, I didn't know how much, I, I have, now Jeff Altman does a Johnny Carson impression. Is this one good? But then I do, <laughs> he like exaggerates his mannerisms and like twitchiness well, I think. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm too young for, like, really for, to know, to like, I don't know, Carson went off the air when I was like 10 or something. But sure. But like I've seen him enough and I've seen enough impressions of him that like I do think he has his sort of like general twitchiness down. And I was like, maybe he should just host the show as Johnny Carson the whole time. And that might be better. It couldn't be worse. At least they'd like let a, a bit play out to completion. Maybe I thought they were going to do like a bad who's on first riff with like me. Right. But then it just switched back into their standard joke of making yeah. fun of nobody knowing who Jeff Altman is. Yeah, I, I, there's some shit that like totally didn't land because he's like, hey, do you know me? 
And then she says, yes, and I know you too. And I'm like, oh, you mean like your partner, me. But like, this is when like the language barrier really did break down because like they were like looking at the wrong thing when they're referencing. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I was so, I was so confused that I think I just knew what they meant and, uh, you know, let it go. But uh, can I say how yeah, this it was rough. Get, how this skit ends brought me completely on board with this as revolutionary experimental comedy. Right. What, how they end this one is they say, the guests on this show say, we have brought a stand-up, a Japanese stand-up yeah. comedian. No part of that, like, breaks reality several times just to, just to get that in there. And, and his then, name oh, is hold on, stop you right there. What's weird is they introduce this guy as a Japanese stand-up comic, but then the real Steve Harvey comes out. Just a regular, ordinary Steve Harvey. And, I and was like, speaks That's the weird. worst Japanese so hard. <laughs> but then the joke is that no, that nobody understands Japanese. But then the double joke is that also he's bombing in this broken, struggling yes. Japanese that nobody speaks. And then the triple yes. joke is, here's a cartoon butterfly. Let's follow that to the next sketch. What the yeah. fuck is going on? I love it. This so, part absolutely works. The, yeah, like this, this I feel like was like really close to being like good because, well, first off, they, they, they throw to like a real, I assume, commercial that Pink Lady did in Japan yeah. that, yeah, that I was have no idea real. what they're selling. Like I couldn't, I could not tell. Uh, and it then, wasn't a joke commercial. It was just an actual no, yeah, commercial. It, was a real, it seemed to be a real commercial. I kind of like the bit where there's this like Eddie Izzard stand-up bit where he like talks about learning French and then does like a whole part of the show in French. And like, because of what you've learned earlier, like the words, you know, like really it, like the bit somehow really works. And this was mm -hmm. nowhere near that, but it did the standard, like how hot is it joke in, in Japanese. Yep. And I was like, Oh, we're like so close here. Finally. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked this. Uh, the fact that he bombed and he turned it into a dance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like him like, just dancing at the end, like that was, yeah, like yeah. And then a I cartoon wanna, butterfly. I think I can add an element to it. To uh, the Japanese was so broken, I couldn't translate it. But it ended with him repeating the words "tabekdaoteo," which means the environment. So I feel like <laughs> the environment, the environment, the environment. Yes, I feel like he's he stopped his comedy to do like a social protest or some sort of a climate change activism this is a fucking yoko so, ono short film like yeah this snuck in here. It's, it's just wild uh, yeah <laughs> so god damn and then they they do uh i don't know like a voiceover sketch that i didn't quite follow and then it cuts to burt parks as a pharmacist oh. who does like a show tune about the legacy of show business and how it, Hollywood is like an artless business, but I think he means it in a good way. And then here's here's a fucking thing that happened in this sketch that blew my mind. He, after that, after that thing I just described, he calls off to Henry Kissinger, and you hear Jeff Altman doing a Henry Kissinger impersonation from off camera, and he's like, I'm doing the mopping. or something. He's just fucking mopping back there, and that's it. <laughs> It's just, no, that's not it because they realize that doesn't land. And then an entire crew of Hollywood dancers crowd the screen. Yes. Because yes. this is what happens like, when you hit the panic button next to the typewriter. You just fucking, yeah. I have nothing. Help, help. You're like, okay, <laughs> this, you can only do this once because this is going to cost us $30,000 for you not to have a punchline. Yeah, they got tap danced off by like Showtime of the Apollo dancers. <laughs> so, so like, 
this is yet another bit about how Pink Lady is new to America. Um, my notes have, then Burt Park sings a song. I sort of drifted off. Maybe Miss America was right to fire him. <laughs> Deserve it. Deserve it. The, the Henry Kissinger joke like was both like, it made me angrier than any part of the show because the joke is uh-huh. like, oh, he's so ruined. He has to work as a janitor. But like, he's still alive and has been a respectable like member of certain parts of society yeah. for the rest. He still of kills his life. eleven people and, an hour. And it like, <laughs> oh, it made me so angry. <laughs> Personally strangles eleven people every hour. He's a busy man. He's fully employed. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I just don't get the politics of the era because the next one I had like a Judy Garland impersonator introduce Sherman Helmsley, oh. and then he accepts an award, refusing to make it political. He just wants everyone's money, and then this is told through a sign language interpreter, not an authentic one, just like a woman kind of pantomiming these words. Yeah, like making fun of sign language behind him. Yeah, it's like sign language is kind of funny looking if you don't know it, and maybe even if you do, and so. It's like, oh yeah, was one that of the bit? Jokes. I think so. Because I, I don't know what the bit was. I think the bit is not to make. God, this must have been like when Marlon Brando like had that native woman come up and like talk shit at the the. I think that this tracks, must have been around yeah. that era. Yeah. So I have a. I was trying to figure out what the bit was, and I think the bit is that like he opens by making fun of politics at award shows. But then all he talks about is like politics at while he's giving this speech. But it's like the politics are just all about himself. So it's kind of like a parody about how, well, these Hollywood types like to think they're doing politics, but they're just sort of self-centered and thinking about themselves. Sure. But I feel like that's being pretty generous. Yeah, very generous. Or maybe but not. Like but now they've... Enough, yeah. <laughs> Now they've realized that they have one device that works, and that's this. Let's bail on the sketch and have an entire troupe of Hollywood dancers because yep. they do it again. They dance they off the sketch too. It is the most expensive way to end a sketch. They could have <laughs> hired. They could have hired a writer for a tenth of that. <laughs> but they're just uh, like, I don't have it. I don't have it. Panic! Hit the, hit the dance button. They come in and they're like, uh, all right, you're paying also okay. paying for it, all of us for a day. And we cut now. I think everyone uh, of a certain age knew this was going to happen. He's <laughs> Jeff is doing a Howard a Howard Cosell impersonation. <laughs> of course he is. And uh, <laughs> he's uh, interviewing like a breathy Marilyn Monroe character. And she has one of the few jokes I really like on this show because she's like, she's talking about how I, I want to stretch my legs as an actress. I'm going to be in the, of mice and men and I'm going to play. And you're thinking it's Lenny. It's Lenny, and she lets it. She lets it breathe. She lets you think Lenny, and then she says mice. And I was like, "That's the fucking. That's a joke. That's a good joke." <laughs> I didn't. And yet we are still danced out of this sketch. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the dancers come back and dance us off. <laughs> I didn't think his Howard Cosell impression was good. I think this is maybe the one impression where you should just impersonate Rich Little because I think his yep. impression is just like dead on what Howard Cosell sounds like. But I, he had like a funny like like rug on. So so uh, Bert now, uh, he plays like a director. This is the, of all the fucking abrupt endings in the show, this is the one. He's playing a director leading a cast of extras through like a subway disaster scene. 
So he has all these people on the set, uh, including, I, thought, I think, Jim Varney. Yeah, I Jim Varney is in this scene. I thought this was the best skit. Like, oh, he has to cast the whole crowd at once. That's a that's an attempt at something. Sure, that's, that's a, a silly premise. That's a cute uh, elementary school talent show skit. Is yes. What that is. And it's like a team building exercise or something. It's something you do at summer camp to like have fun with the kids. But <laughs> yeah. So he's like, you're all scared. You're all laying down. You're all going left. And then it just like fucking ends. Like, I can't believe that's all they did to get 40 people together for just five seconds of the kid game. The resume they hand over is the is the phone book. Yeah. One person gave him a phone book. Uh, so which probably didn't play on a. 16 inch black and white TV back in 1980. It's <laughs> so probably for the best. It's not a good joke. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. <laughs> it's more confusing than than punchy. Dance uh, us the fuck out of here. Help. <laughs> they dance us. And I feel like they're starting to wrap this show up. They, There's also like a, a part like where they have all of the different characters sort of superimposed in like a line and they're all doing dancing to end this whole series of of sketches and i was like it, it was just so strange it's just like they didn't like the the hollywood like line dancers would have been the like hooray for hollywood uh dancers were good enough we didn't need to then see all the characters of the previous sketches come back and yeah. dance to the, the costume budget alone well, it's got to be like giant boombox level budgets um so the girls, they want to go to Neil Diamond's house. They got invited to a party, but they, the in, the party invite didn't have directions. So they're just, oh, hey, Jeff, you know where Neil Diamond lives. And he, in the bit, like, pretends to. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, fucking, like, go this way. And so I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, they're still doing the sort of, like, Jeff doesn't know anybody bit. And so uh, they get out of it by just starting to lip sync uh, an adult contemporary song into his face. They're just like, hey, uh. You got a friend by Carol King. Let's just fucking start singing. <laughs> they also briefly put the like purple or pink like effect around the borders of the screen. It's the same one that Saved by the Bell uses for its like fantasy sequences. Somehow right. we've forgotten to mention that every once in a while the silhouette of a pink goose will swoop in and honk and that will be <laughs> the end of like a sketch. I don't know how yep. we forgot to mention that because it's been happening throughout the whole show. So just mentally reinsert that back through the show. Like every third sketch, yeah. a silhouette of a pink goose flaps over the screen and honks. And then you're just like, okay, that was it. It's like a home improvement transition. Uh, so this uh, this medley's into Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow. I have a clip from this of, of how wild it gets. And um, I like this clip. You'll hear how it's kind of unpolished. Like, uh, anyway, they're adorable. Yep. 
I just wanted to leave all that in uh, because I, I don't know. They're not they're, their vocal range is kind of limited. Like I could see them; they're totally adorable. I could see them coming in like twenty fifth place on Star Search or being the just karaoke stars of the night. But it is, uh, it's so strange that these are like celebrated musical artists. Uh, the my favorite part of this whole like song medley is when they do that like late 70s like i feel like you see it in like laser disc demo discs is like where you might see it like everything sort of like becomes inverted and there's like sort of like electric lines around all the people they like cut to a musician playing but it's only for like a half second and it only happens once like did they use up the rest of their budget on effects and this was all they could afford like it's so strange yeah i know exactly what you're talking about just suddenly someone came into the video toaster and like i'm gonna try something oh no no i hate it i hate it don't ever do that again (laughs) (laughs) um so i mean that's this kind of wraps up the show um thank you to special guest sherman helmsley uh and of course dan mcquaid uh i have one last clip um, I just, and I'm just you gotta learn to trust me. We do play. trust you, Jeff. We have Japanese custom. At end of the day, time to go into hot tub. Time to go into hot tub? No, I don't go into hot tub. No, 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 oh, come on, now, girls, no, 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 no. I see, girls, I don't have a bathing suit on. I don't, I don't swim. So I the premise is. These sexy women want to take a hot tub with irresistible Jeff Altman, only he hates it. I don't care what right. you're going to do. And now they're changing out of their dresses. Into their tiny bikinis. Tiny bikinis. I had a friend dangle me down a manhole cover. It was a sewer. I didn't like Great it then. Great ad-libbing, Jeff. Normal normal thing to say before a hot tub. And now he sees them in their bikinis. And he still hates it. Yeah. What are we doing here? What are we no, doing? No, girls, my skin cannot be singed or seen. I no, the, si- oh the skin God. cannot be singed. Oh, what are you doing? Now they are forcefully oh, ba- stripping I'm and bathing him. Uh, this this on, does end now. with this two women <laughs> forcefully stripping this is, this is, and bathing Jeff Altman. As he learns to find life. it erotic. Oh, like this. Mm. So likable. Whoa! I hope you, you know what happens right then. Yeah, you can guess yeah, that. Sumo guy. Good night. Hit that gong. Fuck yeah! Fuck is that either? The least appealing way to end the show. I thought we were gonna get more of the sumo bodyguard. Like I thought he was gonna pop up at a bunch of times, but no, just at the beginning and end. Yep. It's just funny that he's there. They just need to remind you that there's a nude man here somewhere. Uh, that's called a callback. Oh yeah, yeah. We looked comedy it up today. geniuses. <laughs> All right, dance us out.
generations, the Hot Dog Mountains have had more sightings of mysterious creatures than anywhere else in the United States. Now, hardcore hunter and husky ninja Sean Baby, along with his partner, the chemically augmented Trappist Brockway, are after the most dangerous, most mysterious creatures in the world, the Supremes. Three Finger Louie, Aaron Croston, known by locals as Medium Foot, Adrian H., Aiden Muat, Unandy, Armando Knopf, Badger, sometimes called Old Skunkfoot, Benjamin Siran, Bim Talzer, Brandon Garlock, Brian Saylor, Brianne Whitney, Alpha Queen of the Demon Coyotes, Burrito, Cyril, Chance McDermott, Chase, the Mothfoot, whose daddy was Bigfoot and whose mama was the Mothman, Chris Brower, Clementine Danger, Craig Lemoyne, actually five chupacabras snapped together like Voltron. Dan B. Devin, the Rogue Supreme. David Schull, the Goose Boy of Smack'em Holler. Dean Costello, Dr. Ogden. Grayson, original flavor Bigfoot. Dusty's rad title, the new Bigfoot who killed original flavor Bigfoot. Eric Spalding, every zig, the ghost of Bigfoot. Fancy Shark, Gareth. Bigfoot Ghostbuster, Jellaho, Greg Cunningham, the Bigfoot who kills Bigfoot Ghostbusters, Hambone, Haraka, Harvey Penguin, the Music City Wolfman, Hot Fart, Hawk, Jaber Al Aiden, Jeff Araski, Bigfoot's evil doppelganger from the Darkfoot dimension, Jim Salter, John Dean, John Hector McFarlane, John McCammon, John Minkoff, Joseph Searles, whom locals call Chucklefoot for his amiable nature and smiling feet, Josh Fabian, Josh Quicksall, Josh S., Joshua Graves, Ken Paisley, the Rhode Island Boatfoot, K&M, Lisa, the Bigfoot who got a trucking license and makes $1,500 a week. Go on ahead and ask Truckfoot how. M. Jahi Chappelle. Mac Miserable, sometimes called Glumfoot, sworn enemy of Chucklefoot. Matt Riley, Max Baroy, Michael Lair, Partyfoot. Michael Wells, Mickey Loman, Mike Styles, Moju. Andy the Pittsburgh Wampus, the only cryptid known to steal catalytic converters. Neil Bailey, Neil Schaefer, Neku 104, Nick Ralston. Ozzy Olin, the Bigfoot who learned sign language and won't shut up. Patrick Herbst, Rachel, Rev, Rhiannon, Sarkovsky, the reckless bastard who brought language to the feet. Sean Chase, Spotty Reception, Supernaut, Ted H, reverse possessed double Bigfoot. That's right, he puts the spirits of two big feet in you. Thomas Cavazos, Timmy Leahy, Toasty God, Tom Sakula, Tommy G, Waylon Russell, the Waylon Wahoo of Walla Walla. That was a, that was a cute one. That was just for me. Yanis Ioannidis, Yosarian, and the biggest game of all, the last thing countless Bigfoot has ever seen in this bad old world. They'd call him the Widowmaker if any Bigfoot hunter ever had a wife. He's the vile one. That old enemy, 
Alpha Scientist Javo, whom locals call, when they dare to speak of him at all, Jerkfoot.